Matthew Danko Podcast. Don't call it that. I'm your host, Matthew the Dr. Danko. Hey folks. <laughs> well, this episode's ruined. <laughs> no. It's been a while since I last did this podcast thing, but at least it's been less than a year, so that's improvement. <laughs> and I'm joined joined once again by the lovely Jesse Pardee. Hello. Yeah. It all not <laughs> She's joining me and I don't think I think she has an all right time doing these podcasts, but it definitely takes a while to get her in the <laughs> in the chair to do them, as it were. But anyways, we're talking about something I know she's been dying to talk about for <laughs> weeks now. Batman v Superman. You know how much I've been talking about it. A lot. A lot. That's putting it... All the time. All the time. It's just... Like, A, it was one of the biggest and probably most anticipated movies, apart from, like, Star Wars, because, A, Star Wars is generational. It has many different fans from the prequels to the originals back in the day, but... Batman v Superman is the first time you see Batman and Superman on the screen together. Um, and it's funny because although it's it's taken DC to get the two characters they've been making movies about since the 60s, it's 2016. So you would think that... Uh, I'm losing my train of thought here. Wait, this might be a stupid question, but when you say it was the first time they were on screen, like not even like a cartoon form? Were they no, they've, they've been in the cartoon form together. They even had a Batman-Superman movie um, done in the animated, like the Batman the Animated Series I'm always talking about. Mm-hmm. The Superman the Animated Series was around the same time, and they had a team-up movie together with the Joker and Lex Luthor oh, being... Okay. The other team in that movie, um, but yeah, this is the first live-action Batman vs Superman movie, or Batman and Superman movie mm-hmm. ever. And like I said, Warner Brothers has made both Superman and Batman standalone movies since the '60s. With well, I don't even know. I'd assume it was Warner Brothers, um, Adam West's Batman in the '60s. And then Michael Keaton, 89, forward, even to Christopher Nolan's Batman movies were done through Warner Brothers because they had the, I guess, the movie rights to those characters. But then you have Superman, Christopher Reeves, in 74, I think, forward. There was like four movies, and then he returned in 2006. He had a, te- he had a bunch of television shows, Smallville, Lois and Clark, um, so these two characters have been what Warner Brothers jumps to when they try to make comic book movies and this is the first time they've been together but the critics have not been kind to this movie they've I mean every it's right now it's the 5th of April yeah yeah the movie came out on March 25th your birthday um, 
and it's pretty much been the hot topic everywhere online. Like, you can't... I can't go onto Facebook without seeing some shit about Batman v Superman. Both good and bad. Um, and we'll, we'll get into all that, but it was exciting for me to finally get to see my two... Well, Batman is really my favorite character ever, I guess. But it was cool to see them together for the first time. Um, now, you're obviously not, not a super <laughs> comic book person. I'm stupid. No, you're not stupid. You're just, it's not really your thing. But you've shown some interest in at least Batman um, because of how much I talk about it. Mm -hmm. And you, no, that's fine. For the record, if you hear any noises throughout this podcast, it's because we're both coloring. Yay! It's the easiest way to get her to do a podcast. <laughs> um, That's sad. No, it's just... It keeps you busy instead of just hearing me talk, which can put you to sleep. <laughs> and um, has. And has, yes. <laughs> uh, Bobby even said on the last podcast I did with them that he was listening to mine and it was putting him to sleep. Not because he was bored, but he was listening he to it. He was voice. Yeah, like Dr. House. No. His voice is not that soothing. Well, he's just abrasive in his comments, I think. If he spoke softly and sweetly, it would be soothing. I guess. Anyways, I forget what the hell I was talking about. Um, so yeah, you're not a comic book person, but this wasn't the first comic book movie you've seen. Um, no, we went to see Deadpool shortly yeah. before, um, which I really liked. Yeah, you, I feel like Deadpool was more of the kind of superhero comic book movie geared towards like, someone like you. Well, yeah, it was easier for me to follow well, without having yeah. read comics or followed the stories. Well, Deadpool, to be fair, has only been around since the 90s. So you're not, I mean, with characters like Batman and Superman that have been around since... 40s, early 50s. Uh, I always forget which one exists and which. I think Superman came first in 43. Batman came a little later. I should really know those things. But it doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, you're not dealing with all the backstory and history and all the different iterations. There have mm -hmm. been plenty of iterations of Deadpool, but to a much lesser extent. And the character itself is suited towards, I don't know, he's hes a bit of an anti-hero. He, yeah. And he breaks the fourth wall, which is a really innovative, I guess, thing for a comic book character. Like, he realizes he's a comic book character in a lot of his stuff. Um, and he talks to the reader, which is really cool if you actually read the books. Um, and he has different voices like in his Frank head. Like Underwood. Yes. Another show that you got me into. Kind of. I've been popping mm -hmm. in and out. but So, yeah. You enjoyed Deadpool because it was a character that you could understand more. It's fun. That movie yeah, was really Yeah, it was really, really fun. funny. Yeah. Was, and Ryan Reynolds nails that part. I mean, everyone is saying he is Deadpool. Um Humor-wise, it was quite different. 
from Batman vs. Superman. That's true, because as we know, Batman vs. Superman really wasn't funny at all. Um, but, yeah, enough about Deadpool. That was another podcast I wanted to do, but it just kept getting later and later. We were both jumping around from Syracuse and Pittsburgh. It just didn't work out. But anyway, we're here talking about Batman v Superman. We'll start with what you thought about it. And uh, for anyone listening, obviously we're going to get into some spoilers because I've, I've tried to keep my um, opinions to a minimum talking to Jesse, but, you know, that's been quite tough. I've been trying to save you, it you for have? the podcast. Yeah. You've been keeping your opinions to a minimum? A minimum of, you I know, like a thousand words an hour or something like that. But, yeah. But we'll get into some of the deeper things that are right and wrong with the movie. But we'll just start out with what you thought about the movie. Uh, I thought that there was a lot going on. Like, it was just jam-packed? I couldn't quite tell which plot line to the last follow. Yeah. yeah, the closest, I felt like. Well, I, I think that's understandable because although you understand that this is, I mean, again, you're not a superhero person, but Marvel, you know that they've been mapping out a universe and there's been all these different movies that connect yeah. to one another. This is DC's turn to do that. Right. Um, it started it's with... Within the first ten minutes of the film, we go into... I want to say three or four different time slash places. Yeah. Before we land on one that maybe we're going to stick with. Yeah. Um, which was a little jarring for me because I went in like, really pay attention and follow. Because like, I wanted to understand everything. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, my only other experience with seeing Batman on the screen is the Christopher Nolan movies, which I... I don't understand, really. I, I, I guess I understand the Dark Knight because that's the one I've seen the most. Yeah. But I had no idea what was happening in the Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. The Dark Knight Returns is a whole different thing, which I will talk about. I'm sorry, it's <laughs> cringe. No, no, it's a lot of people do that, and that's partly what I think Christopher Nolan, he was pulling some story elements from there. Um, Zack Snyder did heavily with Batman v Superman. Um, but I just, it doesn't matter if you call it Returns or Rises. It's just... Well, I mean, the correct name is Rises. Yeah. So, so get it right. No, sorry. Um, no, I get that. Those movies are, they're more set in reality, so they try to throw in a lot of real problems and like real, realistic plot lines, I guess I should say, by still lending, like, taking from comic books and other places and fitting it into a different world. So some of the plot is convoluted because mm -hmm. you're, you're playing with fiction and nonfiction and trying to mesh them together. This one was doing the same thing, but... I think lends itself more to the comic book side based on who's but in the movie. But still was convoluted. It was very convoluted. And that part of the problem with that is because, like I said, they, they were jamming 
a lot of stuff in the movie. Um, because they're trying to get to the Justice League, which is what they know everyone is waiting for. We've been waiting for it since... Well, I guess forever, because there was supposed to be a Justice League movie in the early aughts. Um, George Miller was set to direct, and then it fell through. I don't think I've really talked to you about that. Mm -mm. Um, But, like... Apparently, Brian Reynolds' Green Lantern was supposed to be the starting point in that series. And then Green Lantern didn't do well, which sucks because while I know a lot of people don't care so much about the Green Lantern as opposed to, like, The Flash or Aquaman now, um, I think I think the Green Lantern's an interesting character and his powers might not be super cool. Or Adam always brings up that, like, his arch nemesis is the color yellow. And to some point, he's right, because yellow and green are opposites in this world. The powers of their rings are opposite. So when that movie came out and it didn't do well, the whole timeline was sort of shot. And so DC decided to cool it, and then they went into, you know different places. Then they brought Man of Steel, the Zack Snyder Man of Steel, which was the first in this new line of DC movies to try to start it up again. And you haven't seen that movie. Mm-mm. But why you didn't did you, really... Why didn't you have me watch it? Well, you didn't really need to see it to understand what's happening in Batman vs. Superman, nor would it have helped, unfortunately. Okay. It might have answered like a few questions, like Again, spoilers, but, like, the part with Kevin Costner, just the fact that it was his dad and his dad's dead. Right, right, right. Um, but really, all you needed to see, they referenced in Batman vs. Superman, which was the destruction of Metropolis. Superman and General Zod fighting in Metropolis, destroying buildings and shit. And that was a big focal point for Batman vs. Superman and how Superman's too powerful and all that political shit but it's a good it's a good plot line they just kind of tanked it with too much extra plot around it the senator who was going after Superman yeah and the guy with no legs and yeah like the Middle East like something was happening in the Middle East and something's always happening in the Middle East yeah to be honest I'm not 100% sure what that meant Like, I get the fact that they set up Superman by bringing, like, Lois Lane there, and... But why? And something I agreed with, that I brought up to you at one point, and your answer really didn't satisfy me at all. Uh I was talking about this with somebody. Was, what is Lex Luthor's endgame in this movie? He just wants to destroy Superman, that's it. Yeah. Like, what does he get out of it? It's not... If if there is an answer, it is not made clear at oh, all. Yeah. But... I mean, a lot of the questions you had for me, I, I don't know if I answered properly. Because I was still soaking in the movie. And I do want to say that, like, we got there, there was a line to get into the theater. Mm-hmm. So we ended up sitting maybe three rows... Or no, it was probably more like five rose from the front 
We were close. We were super close to the screen, and with the way the screens are, a lot of information was up on the screen on one half of the screen. So, like, you couldn't really soak in everything at one time. You kind of mm -hmm. had to shift your attention from left to right. Which, believe it or not, does impact how you view the movie and what you are able to attain and whatnot. Not that that was the reason I didn't understand parts of the movie. Because the majority of it I do get. There were just... I mean, there's plot holes in the movie that just don't have real solutions or resolutions, I mean, that I think are just there to set up the next movie. And what the, what's the point of that? If the movie can't stand, yeah. on its own, uh, stand on its own, then this is just a plug for your next movie. And that, that's not... Mm -hmm. That sucks, because... Yeah. DC is... I'm a huge DC fanboy, but I also, like, understand... DC fanboys, that term has become almost, like, an insult on any com comment section of any topic relating to Marvel or DC, because... When people say the word fanboy, they're referring to, like, the people that will, and pardon the French, suck the dick of DC no matter what they do. Like, be completely blind to it. Or, like, D Batman fanboys will just, like, love Batman, all Batman, no matter what. Which I probably come across as sometimes, but I try to do it objectively when there's something, like, I try to focus on why I like a character and what makes me like that character and stick with that view. So if it doesn't go against my, or if it goes against my view, I won't be like, well, that Batman is the best Batman of all. Like I said, all the other Batman that have come before, they've been good, but they haven't really been the true interpretation of Batman. And I've told you that many times, I think. Mm -hmm. But this Ben Affleck Batman... You felt like this was the closest. This was the closest. It might not be perfect, but this is the Batman I've been waiting for. There's still improvements that they can do. And it's not just because it's Ben Affleck and he's in Clerks. No, he's not in Well, Clerks. in all those movies. He's not in all those movies. In a lot of those movies. In yeah. that universe is what okay. I'm getting at. No, it's not. Maybe initially a little bit, because I was like... Of the Clerks universe, is what I was implying. The universe is the proper term. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but no, I think that he's always been a great actor. Yeah, people, no, I'm not, not people, No, no, people have shit on him. There was that whole time in his career where people were just like, fuck Ben Affleck. But then you watch a movie like Daredevil, which you haven't seen. Yes, I have. You, we watched We Daredevil? watched that movie. Did we? Yes, we did. Was it, like, to get you in, interested in the series or something, or compare them? Or no, we watched it at your house once. Oh, wow. I don't remember a lot. I remember it being, like, I remember being, like, yeah, that wasn't a very good movie. But The movie itself isn't good, but Ben Affleck in that movie is yeah. good. He shines through, except there was the one scene Bobby and I have talked about where they're on the teeter-totter, or the seesaw, depending on who you ask, but Jennifer Garner and... Ben Affleck are on the seesaw fighting. You don't remember. No, no. Don't remember. <laughs> are you waiting to say I remember? Yeah, no, I don't. Remember. Well, it's fine because it's just a goofy scene. But no, that movie 
is good, but people blame Ben Affleck for it, and I don't think... I think that's sort of the same thing with Green Lantern and Ryan Reynolds. Green Lantern, the movie sucks, but Ryan Reynolds does some... has some good acting in there. He totally redeems himself in Deadpool, and it's been said that Ben Affleck redeems himself from Daredevil with this Batman. But just the way the character is in the movie is Batman. And... It's the Batman I've read in The Dark Knight Returns, um, Batman Year One, the Batman I've seen in the animated series even, because people, like the first day I saw it, the day it came out, I did just be like, this movie was awesome. Uh, Of course I said I had problems with it, but... I was still like, this movie is great, I'm so excited for the next one, and then the more I thought about it, and the more I read, you know, I started thinking, well, this could be changed, and this could be changed. I mean, we had that whole conversation after the movie, um, Mm -hmm. where I was trying to piece it together, because there was just a lot going on. There was too much. Um, There was too much fat on that movie. Yeah. And one of the projects I've taken upon myself, because there is a good movie in there, I think it's an uh, there's a great Batman movie in there, but an underdeveloped Superman story. They kind of shoehorned his plot in there, and Man of Steel was a bit the same way. There was a lot of extra stuff that didn't matter, and it wasn't really interesting stuff that they were adding. Um, but I feel like I could cut the movie down to maybe an hour, an hour and 20 minutes even, in the style of Batman the Animated Series. And the only reason I say that is because there's a lot of scenes that have that feel to it. Like Ben Affleck and uh, Jeremy Irons, who is Alfred, mm-hmm. their dynamic was Batman and Alfred to me. Alfred would say something snarky and then... Bruce Wayne would keep doing Bruce Wayne's thing. Then just some of the visual aspects of the film felt like a comic book. I think that's what Zack Snyder does very well. He sets up the shot. It's visually interesting, but the story is what lacks. Mm -hmm. And the editing was just awful to me. Yes. It was very... There was a lot of jump cuts, jumping in time... That just, I feel like if you rearrange some of the shots, the story would play better. I felt like I couldn't relax and enjoy that movie until the last 45 minutes. Yeah. When I was like, okay, here's what's going on, here's what's about to happen, and now I can just watch it unfold. Which, to be fair, is like the entire Batman-Superman fight. Yes. Yeah. Which I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, A, that's what the movie says That's you're what going I was waiting get. for, yeah. It, comes right out front and says Batman v Superman so the fight is what everyone's waiting for but it took two hours do you do you remember when we got to that point I turned to you and I said is this almost over yeah because I was finally just starting to get it yeah and I felt like we finally got to the point where we should have gotten way earlier and I couldn't believe that there wasn't a lot left yeah now that I knew what was happening I know, and, like, you could keep Lex in there, because I, I but enjoyed... But you still didn't answer my question about him. 
Well, what does she oh, want? What does she want? What is, well, what he's always seemed to want is, A, to bring Superman down. Why? Because though? he sees him as a threat. I don't buy that, though. But that's what he's done in the comics. He sees Superman as this all-powerful being. He's a businessman, isn't he? Does he want money? He wants... <laughs> some no one, no one wants... He does. He sees him as evil. No villain just wants... But he's a villain. Like, he yeah, but in his more. mind... He I don't buy that. I don't buy that. He was running some sort of operation in the Middle East. Yeah, I don't get that part. <laughs> I have no I idea what that means. I don't think it was just that he... I think there was no, something else going on. I'm that saying, he didn't just I'm, want no, I'm saying everyone to be safe. Books, I just want everyone to be safe. Mostly, it, it, he wants power, which is what he kept okay. mumbling about in the movie. All about power and knowledge is power, and he sees. But it wasn't as clear in the movie how he was going to get that power by destroying Superman. That was totally unclear. There was one line. That but one line is not. Really I clear. know, but I'm saying I'm telling you how okay. it works in the movie. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying he says, and now God bends to my will, because Superman is seen as a god, and if you can be more powerful than God, then you have all the power. Correct. Would you agree with that? I'm not religious. I'm not. It's not about religion. It's God <laughs> is the most powerful being in everyone's mind. Then, and you're more powerful than God. Would you not say that you have the most power? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what Lex is. He's an egotistical maniac. That's like, if I can snap this Superman fellow down, knock that's him down a peg. Unclear. I know it's unclear, because it's dismissed in one line, and that's about it. He has a lot of imagery with devils and shit. I did like all that. Yeah. But then, the other thing that sucked is they threw another character into the mix, Doomsday. Which, to the average moviegoer, means nothing. In the comics, it means something, but they take this monster... I that like him. Doomsday? Yeah. Well, I'm not saying you can't like him. I'm just saying they kind of just... Well, people are like, hey, he shouldn't have been in it. I'm saying that it was another thing that they tried to cram into the movie. I get why they did it, because there's that whole thing with Lex saying, you know, you can't unring that bell, or like you've made, you've made a sound in the universe or something. There's other worlds out there that are hearing us all that shit, it means that something bigger is going to happen. And I think the audience needed to see Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, who was another character thrown in there. Who should have gotten way more screen time. I agree. But they were like, this is how they fight this monster, which is sort of a man-made monster by Lex doing all that shit he did to set up a future fight with this villain called Darkseid, who is, in some cases, considered the Thanos of DC. Another name that means nothing to you. But yeah, I'm really a terrible person to have to come talk about. No, because this is exactly why I wanted you here. You represent all of the people that just know the characters Batman and Superman, that are just familiar enough with their names and what they look like, and I want to get your take on it, because... I don't know everything there is to know about Superman. I know way more about Batman, obviously. But I would consider myself more of the comic book person. 
between the two of us, clearly. And so it's we're just comparing notes, essentially. So, yeah, there was a lot thrown into the movie. And, I mean, you can hear this conversation as an example of how all over the place the movie was, because we've been jumping around from thing to thing, just because it's it's such a jumbled hodgepodge of comic bookness. Well, and I felt like the character that, and I said it mid-movie, I was like, oh, I really like that guy oh. about Les Luthor yeah, because yeah. I felt like he was the character that I got to know the most. We spent the most time with him. Yeah, right? we didn't get enough Superman or Batman. Well, I'm or okay. Wonder Woman. Yeah, we well, we definitely didn't get enough Wonder Woman because Gal Gadot, I think, is a great Wonder Woman for the few minutes we've seen her in the Wonder Woman gear. Is that Gal Gadot? Gal Gadot. I call her Gal Gadot. You say it like that, and I think that's like a character that sounds, it it sounds, sounds like, like a Gal Gadot, like a Gal Gadot, like a monster. Yeah, and so I get confused when you say it because I'm like, which character was that? Uh, Gal Gadot. I'll start saying her name correctly. I guess well, I don't know her. if that's how you say it. I, have no I just idea. I would assume, but that's just because of waiting for Gadot. Oh. Or Gadot, but that some people say Gadot. Gadot. It actually might be Gadot in that sense. I don't know. Or in that sense. I'm gonna keep calling her Gal Gadot. Okay. It makes her sound. She sounds like a villain. Yeah. <clears throat> but <clears throat> yeah, we definitely didn't get enough of her or Batman, which is what everyone was saying. Everyone that liked the movie, because there were a lot of people shitting on the movie. But I get some of their reasoning. Um, and when the standalone movies come, the standalone Batman movie that Ben Affleck is writing and directing. He's writing it? It's said that he's come up with a script for it, and he's a, a huge char- uh, fan of the character, so I can trust that he'll get it... He'll take what's been given to him so far and just improve on it. Like, what we saw in the movie, there was the Batman that can fight. That whole scene in the warehouse, I thought was the best fighting sequence of any Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Because he literally went... He was he was taking on multiple people at once, but using his utility belt, like throwing batarangs and like throwing guys over and pulling like grenades or whatever out of their hands and shit like that. He was using his surroundings as well, which is another thing Batman does that we've never seen to really any degree in any of the other movies. I say this every time, but in Christian Bale's Batman movies, when he's fighting, which I probably isn't him, it's probably a stunt double, most of it is like step, step, punch, block. Mm-hmm. Step, step, and it looks very choreographed. The idea is to get it to flow smoothly. Like in Daredevil, we watch season one, Still have to watch season two. But that whole scene in the hallway, the scene everyone talks about from season one, it flowed. Yeah. The other reason people talk about it is because it shows the amount of It's funny he did that, and I was like, oh no, he's going to make a reference to Daredevil that I don't remember. But I do remember that scene, yeah. because I remember a scene that was a really good scene. Yeah, because it's all one take, and it 
it shows like the wear and tear that somebody who's fighting 20 guys at once goes through. Um, but this isn't Daredevil. This is Batman. <laughs> so it's not. It's also a movie. So it it doesn't. Batman's do... protecting a whole city, not just. <laughs> not just. Any block radius. Block, yeah. <laughs> Which it's funny because like any time I've seen Daredevil, I've never thought like, oh, Hell's Kitchen. I it, in the comic books, it seems like a whole bigger part of the city. But you're right. It's really just like a few streets, a couple buildings. <laughs> But there's I, a lot of crime. <laughs> there's a lot of crime. Um, and high-profile crime in some cases. But this Batman, the fighting style was on point. The one thing people complained about the most, I mean, even people uh, that you talked to, yeah. was that Batman kills. Okay. Now, I I went back and forth on this from the beginning. I forgave it. Because I'm like, well, fuck, it's Batman. Um, a lot of people were getting real up in arms that that's not the Batman they want. And well, that, that that's not Batman. That's not Batman at all. But it is Batman. It's just not the Batman that they were expecting. And here's why. See, Batman's notorious for having a no-kill rule. Um... Never mind the fact that in almost every other Batman movie, Batman's killed. Nobody bats an eye to it because it's just like, oh. oh. No pun intended. <laughs> because it's just like something they understand. Like in Christopher Nolan's Batman movies, Batman kills. When? He, he killed Liam Neeson in Batman Begins. He said, I don't have to save you. Or like, I don't... I, don't, I fucking forget the line, but it's in the climax of the movie when Liam Neeson... Uh, where Ra's al Ghul is on the subway train, and he's like, I don't have to save you. Or I, I can... Ah, fuck it. Basically, he lets him go down with the subway train. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That's a death. But he didn't kill him, though. Technically. Te- technically, still not killing him, though. He killed him indirectly. Mm-hmm. He didn't kill him. He, he didn't, didn't save, save him. him. He didn't save him. Which is part of the line, but technically, that blood is on his hands, I would say. Because the character Batman, arguably, wouldn't do that. Arguably. But anyways, because in The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight, the sequel to that movie... Shit's blown up and people are dying, but nobody really sees them, so it's indirect killing. And Zack Snyder came out and said, like, I tried to do it in a technical way. Whereas, in the Nolan movies, you might not see them die, or, like, Batman might dodge a rocket, so the rocket hits into a building and the people in the building die. But you don't see it, so you don't consider it Batman killing them or whatever. I can't remember the full quote. So I tried to do it in a technical way, whereas if Batman shot a gas tank and there were criminals around that gas tank, that wasn't Batman that killed him. That was the gas tank explosion. That was what he said. But, okay. yeah, but... 
not a very good argument. I'm not defending that argument. I'm saying that's what was said. But, what are you looking for? The previous? Probably under the... But see, people don't understand that this is not a Batman that's... This isn't a new Batman. This Batman has history. This is just the first time we're seeing that Batman. Right. And the problem with that, to the average person that watches it, or the person that's expecting a Batman not to kill, is that they're like, well, this is... No matter where Batman is in his timeline, he should represent the Batman we all know. This Batman, like I said, was more of a Dark Knight Returns Batman. Based on a few clues in the movie that some shit has happened at least 18 months between the destruction of Metropolis and this movie starting. There's there's history. There's Wayne Manor that's burned down that we don't know why. Batman, Bruce Wayne, doesn't live there. He chills out in the Batcave, mostly, and that other secluded place. Yeah, he had, like, a little nice little... Like, spot on the lake, yeah. And you see a suit in the little glass chamber that says, ha ha, joke's on you, Batman, written down in graffiti. Now, I probably already told you this, but what did you think that was when you first saw it? I just thought it was another one of, I assumed it was another one of his shoots, oh, but I, I knew that that was the Joker. That wrote on wrote it. Wrote it. Yeah. Well... It, the suit best matches a, a previous Robin, one of his sidekicks, for anyone who didn't know that. I just feel the need to explain, I guess. But in this comic book universe, Robin... Um, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Jason Todd, sorry, the second Robin the one that was brought back to bring a sidekick to Batman in the comics, was killed by the Joker in the death of the, in the family. He was actually voted off by the fans. They The writers put out a poll, like, if you want to see Robin die, call this number. If you don't, call this number. And he ended up dying. The Joker took a crowbar to him and beat the shit out of him to death. Um, and so... That's one of Batman's biggest failures. So he keeps the suit as a reminder, kind of. In The Dark Knight Returns, the whole reason he's not... Bruce Wayne takes off like 10 years from being Batman is because he still blames himself for the death of Jason Todd. So that suit in that movie connects the fact that Robin's dead and this Batman is a little more ruthless a little more willing to kill, which he does in The Dark Knight Returns. And he uses a gun also in The Dark Knight Returns. He shoots one of the mutants with the machine gun. So, to say Batman doesn't kill is true, but there's an extended sentence that should be added, Batman doesn't kill always, because he has or Batman does kill sometimes, or Batman has killed before. 
people forget that. Like a math class. Well, it's just, like I, I've always said, like, I love Batman because he doesn't kill, but I don't forget that he hasn't killed, like, that he has killed before. It's just the moral code of not killing sort of came into effect later, and more writers started to keep that as one of the true tendencies of the character. But what's come before that, I mean, he used to carry a gun back in the day. He used to throw criminals off rooftops and shit. Batman's killed, but we kind of push that under the rug because we're more familiar with the Batman that doesn't kill. And that's the hero we kind of want more. So introducing a Batman that's killed and kills is almost feels to some fans like, well, fuck you, because this is supposed to be the new Batman, the Batman that's good and that's comic book accurate. Well, it still is comic book accurate, but we haven't seen the history that comes before. And I'm sure in the standalone Batman movie, we could get a glimpse of what happens before. We could get one of the other stories that comes before, because the Batman and Superman fight is straight out of The Dark Knight Returns. Him building a suit to fight Superman and all that shit. That's straight from that book. I mean, he has the help of Green Arrow, which would have been cool, but almost another unnecessary thing to add in a movie that's filled with unnecessary things. But there's precedent for it, is what I'm saying. And I don't think we're going to get... We're not going to get the Batman that doesn't kill. In fact, at the end of the movie, because, spoilers, Superman dies, um, he says, I won't fail him, referring to Superman, because this is where... He's going to build the Justice League, and he's not going to kill anymore. I mean, I think you look confused. Wait. I will not fail him in death or something like that, he says. You said this is presumably where he decides not to kill anymore? Yeah. Well, maybe not that instance, because the instance before... I thought he had always had that philosophy, but you were saying that with the death of Robin, that went out the door. Yeah. So he would be making a transition from not killing to killing to deciding not to kill again? Yeah, the same, like, remembering where his past comes from, which ties back into the Superman and Batman fight, which I'm going to talk about now. Okay. The Superman and Batman fight, which was probably... Arguably the most interesting part of the movie. Besides Wonder Woman. Besides Wonder Woman. I'm not forgetting her intentionally. I have no idea. Um, The whole fight works out perfectly. We see him, you know, work the kryptonite in his lab and try to get it to become this um, vapor gas type kryptonite we see you know the suit and then they start going at it he's like egging him on i honestly i don't know some of the things that super or batman does like why he does it i figured he would just shoot him with the kryptonite and then fight him for the stuff that led up to it i'm not sure the inclusion of it unless i saw it again but the whole thing is like batman gets to the point 
where he's literally going to kill Superman. He slices his face with that kryptonite spear and gets to the point where he's going to end Superman's life and could. But then Superman says, Martha. And that's when the internet explodes. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many memes out there about about them. Uh, because Superman. it was kind of a lame reason to stop. And I said that initially. I said, that sucks because it's kind of an anticlimactic ending. Until I thought about it more. Which Until you came up with an excuse? No, until I connected it to a bigger okay. purpose. That's, there's a difference. Because, like I said, that movie doesn't do well in one sitting. The more you think about it and the more you watch it, the more it makes sense. Which isn't how a movie should work, but that's how this one does. The fact that he says Martha parallels the beginning of the movie when Thomas Wayne, Bruce's father, dies. Not only is this a, a reintroduction to the character Batman, but that inclusion of that beautiful sequence at the beginning of the film, which was just reiterating the fact that Bruce's parents are dead, something a lot of people also complained about, because why do we need to see them die again? Because... This sequence is the window to a lot of things that's probably going to happen. One of it being Thomas Wayne's last words are Martha. It reminds Bruce Wayne, Batman, that this is why he started it being Batman. That, you know, he didn't want some little boy walking down an alley with his parents, having them die the way his did. He thought... This was a chance to fight crime, put an end to the criminal element in Gotham City. And him saying Martha reminded him of that, but also humanized Superman. Like, Superman, this whole movie is portrayed as God. In fact, uh, even the guy that hates Superman, the legless Joe, um, I wish I knew his name. Legless Joe. (laughs) Spray paints like... Something of not false like God. false god, okay. And he has this huge statue, which is in Metropolis, like the savior of the earth, which again he can arguably be called. But it humanizes him, saying he has a mother, and he, in his last moment of weakness, latches on to something that we would all do—a loved one. So, I think that's what snaps him out of it. Not just the fact that it's his mom's name, too. If it were someone else... Oh, hey, your mom's name is Martha, too? <laughs> yeah, a lot of the uh, memes out there were like the stepbrothers quote, which is like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> and then it has their pictures on the like the stepbrothers poster. But, yes, it can be seen as a lame reason, but upon further review, it actually holds weight. Like, there's substance to it. But right off the bat, it is kind of ridiculous, which I acknowledge. Um, <clears throat> so that fight ends, and then Batman and Superman are now friends, which Batman says. They go to the warehouse where Martha is. <laughs> Basically, I mean, he, he, they go to the uh, <clears throat> warehouse where Martha's being kept, and... Batman does that whole fight sequence I talked about earlier. 
and then they get to the room where Martha is, and there's a dude with a flamethrower, like, I'm gonna kill her, man. Believe me, I'm gonna kill her. And Superman, or, I'm sorry, Batman, like, and I showed you this in The Dark Knight Returns, he, I'm pretty sure it's the exact same setup, um, says, I believe you. I believe you, and shoots the flamethrower backpack, and it, the guy explodes, and he covers Martha and protects her. Like, that's parallel to the Dark Knight Returns panel, where I was talking about he shoots the machine gun and kills that one mutant. The difference is it's a child being held hostage, not Superman's mom. Um, but then she's like, she says something like, who are you? And he's like, I'm a friend of your son. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, is, it felt more like I mean, a Ben like Affleck a, thing. Felt like a full house moment. <laughs> a little Aww. bit. Because, it, it, honestly, it did feel like a Ben Affleck. <laughs> because in, in the comic books and in the cartoons, Batman kind of keeps Superman at arm's length. Like, he knows that they're, they, they have a professional relationship. But I don't know if he'd ever really consider them friends. Um, but it was just really funny. It was like, yeah, I'm a friend of your son. And then the, he, they go back to Lex Luthor, and he's like, well, fuck you guys. If you guys aren't going to kill each other, I'll get the devil to do it. And then Doomsday comes out. Now, the whole fight sequence with Doomsday, I thought it was really sweet. You had a lot of, like... Sorry. Um... Visual elements like the uh, it must have been lightning or fire of some kind going across the screen. It felt like a splash panel right from mm-hmm. a comic book. Um, but the part we all saw in the trailer, Batman is in. I want to say it's the Batwing, or maybe it's the Batmobile. Um, and Doomsday is like getting ready to fire this huge like fireball at him and he goes oh shit and like tries to shield himself but then the explosion happens and he's unharmed and then Wonder Woman boom is right there with her shield so that was her introduction which was awesome it was very awesome even though like even having seen the trailers you hadn't seen really any of the trailers even having seen the trailers it played for me just the same it's like that was a cool way to bring her character in Something they could have done earlier, maybe, but whatever. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, and then they go into the whole fight, and they're all like... It was kind of similar to the way the fighting style is in Injustice, Gods Among Us, which I know I've talked about it with you, but among all the other things I talk about, it probably just got washed away. <laughs> um... A lot of the elements in this movie also pull from that game, kind of, where like God, or Superman's this dictator, and the Justice League has to like fight each other to get uh, in this alternate reality or whatever, gain order back. Um, some of the elements of the fighting, where they're throwing shit to one another and continuing to fight, is what Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman are doing to Doomsday. And one of the coolest things was Wonder Woman pulled out her lasso of truth and was holding the beast steady. They didn't, like, have her say, 
I'm going to use my lasso of truth or anything like that. They they kind of just cut to a shot of her using it. Mm-hmm. And that was like, oh, shit. Cause well, I mean, I wasn't like, oh, no. lasso of truth. Right. <laughs> right, but it, had you known more about the character, maybe. Um, it, it was just, it was a very quick sequence, too. And more of the movie should have been like that. Unfortunately, it wasn't, but it was a very good. It was a very good ending to the movie. Um, unfortunately, the movie ended like three or four times yeah, after that. A bunch of different endings. Um, a lot of different places they could have cut, and like the last sequence was the death of Superman, <clears throat> which is another story in the comics that they kind of threw in there. But it's like. Lois Lane throws dirt on his grave, or on his coffin, and then for like a split second before the credits, the dirt particles start rising up. have no clue what that means, whether or not it means I... You don't? No. I mean, I know he's coming back, but I don't know what that was supposed to... Like, why did they rise up? Was that, like, his power coming back to him, and like he was about to burst out of the coffin or something? Oh, okay. I don't know what it means in terms JK. of in terms of what's about to happen. I know he's going to come back to life. Right. How could he not with the Justice League right around the corner? But, like, see, that, that Superman's death thing I would have done after the Justice League so that it would have been less of a, oh, he's dead, but, but he'll, be back. he'll be back. It would have been like, this is like a final I mean, moment. Me not knowing anything about the Justice League. I mean, I assumed he would probably be back, but yeah. I didn't know, so it was still sad for me. Okay, we'll see. That's that's one of the things I, I want to know. <clears throat> I guess just from following all the comic book shit, that stuff gets cloudy. Like, or it gets muddled and, like, you start to expect and stuff becomes predictable. <clears throat> um, but, yeah... I think, I liked the movie, but there was a lot of problems with it. And if I could cut it down myself, I could fix some of it. I'm just going to pause this here. I'll cut this out. We're almost done. Well, we're at an hour, so. We are? I do. So yeah, I, 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 it definitely had some problems, but I do think like a, there's a good story somewhere in there. Yeah. If it were just cut down, and I don't even, I hate saying that like I want to recut it because it makes it sound like oh I could do better than Zack Snyder or somebody who's an accomplished director. But I think for me to enjoy the movie more, I would need to see a version. You know, it's cut down. I, I hate it when movies are too long, like unnecessarily long, because there's a lot that can be cut out, and if you cut it out and make it an hour and a half or even just an hour long, it you can get more viewings in, it's more enjoyable, concise. It didn't feel like it was so long to me. It just felt like there was too much. Well, see, I think... You go hand in hand. I mean, it felt long to me, but because there's so much in it. 
Like, you could cut that movie down to three, a, a very simpler three acts. Introduce Batman's conflict with Superman, the fact that he was in Metropolis. I would keep the whole beginning sequence because it was beautiful, I thought. Um, like the death of Wayne's parents. Um, the way it was shot, not the actual death of their parents, his parents. Mm-hmm. Um like, introduce the conflict that Batman hates Superman. Then introduce Lex Luthor. Which made me think it was SNL. SNL. <laughs> I'm going to go see Batman hates Superman, yo. <laughs> Bobby Monaghan. Um, introduce Lex Luthor and his concerns in the same act. Then have the fight with Batman and Superman in the middle. Like, having... First part of the second act be Batman preparing to fight Superman, having the second half of Act Two Batman fighting Superman, and then the third act be the Doomsday fight. Yeah. And then the death of Superman. And I. But then, what would you do about that politics and stuff? Get rid of it. I don't necessarily think it all needs to be in this movie. You could shoehorn it into Man of Steel by cutting some shit out of Man of Steel and throwing that in there to set up Batman vs. Superman, that would be another project. I think, because, I mean, even though the timeline's a little screwy, you could get rid of that 18-month lull by by um, taking all of the politics and putting it into Man of Steel... Well, why couldn't uh, Superman hear that there was a bomb in the courtroom? Good question. Starting to bring up my points. That uh, I you have points. You wanna? I thought this was just the Matt Danko show. Why don't we have two things? No, no, but that's a good point. Um, I don't know why you didn't hear it. I could understand him not seeing it if Lex lined the. Uh, Wheelchair because it was a Lex Luthor gave that to Legolas Joe, so I could see him lining it with lead. Whether or not that was made clear in the movie is probably not there. Like he probably never said like this lead line wheelchair is good or some shit. <laughs> I don't write these movies. Clearly, I just want to edit them again. Not rewrite them. But, yeah, I, I don't know why he didn't hear it, because he can hear everything. Unless he was just so focused on... See, but that's me making shit up. Trying to connect the dots that might not be there. Because Superman's lazy. He was not doing his job. Because I feel like Batman would have heard it. Yeah, you're biased, so... Yeah, I know. But, in all fairness, Batman has a contingency plan for pretty much everything. There's moments in the comic books where he's like, Alfred, I think I'm thinking too much about thinking. I think i got to think less. And Alfred's like, yeah, you probably should. But then he's like, I'll never do that. Who, Alfred? Yeah. I really, I really do like their dynamic. I 
I like the fact that he was in the Batcave working on the suit, like, doing his job, which is a lot of what... I mean, Christopher Nolan's Alfred did that at Michael Caine, but I think it was a lot less. He helped him build the suit and order the parts from all different places, but it looked like Alfred was actually engineering some shit in the Batcave, which the guy's just a butler, but in the comics he does that sort of thing. He, like, he sutures Batman when he's been shot, when he has stab wounds. He... He's his right-hand man. Um, And it really... A lot of the Batman stuff was very accurate, I thought. Like, I could talk about that forever. He was... He was the Batman that we've been wanting to see. The only other thing I think... (laughs) That some of us want to see... Not that I want to see Batman killed, but I understand it. The only other reason it's not cool is because it's it almost his reason for killing is almost hinging on an easter egg if anything like a reference there's no explanation of it there's a shot for anyone who doesn't know what that suit is or its purpose batman just kills in this universe there's no like oh that's robin and Robin's dead, and this is why Batman kills, because he doesn't give a fuck. This is just the Batman that kills, and a lot of people probably see it that way. But I will say that the the fact that Wayne Manor's burned down, and the way the suit looks, the Robin suit, they're connected somehow, and he does look to it as a failure, and so, like that, everything I said before. There is definitely more... There is definitely a standalone Batman to come. Yeah, that's been okay. confirmed. Okay. Yeah. And even in the Suicide Squad, which is coming out, um, the reason for Jared Leto's Joker's teeth, like the metal in his teeth that people have called grills, um, is because he's been beat to shit by Batman. Like His teeth have literally fallen out. So there's history there, too. A lot of this is hinging on the fact that it will be explained later. Which can work, but also hurt the movie when it's it needs other movies to, to support it. The Marvel movies don't really need that. They set up their other movies, but they're great standalone movies. Like Iron Man, I think... I think you and I should watch Iron Man, not just to because it's the first movie in the series and, like, it sets everything up, but it it's a very well-put-together movie. And uh, John Favreau directed that movie. Um, he is... See, you would know his face. He was in I Love You, Man. He was, like, the, the guy that didn't want to be friends with Paul Rudd that was, like... Their wives were friends. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, John Favreau was in that movie, and he directed... He's the one who got Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, because he, like, stood up and said, this is supposed to... This is who I want Iron Man to be. This is Tony Stark. Make it so. And, like, that was one thing that he wasn't backing down on. And now everyone looks at Robert Downey Jr., and they can only see Tony Stark. And without that, I mean... 
a lot of the other stuff probably wouldn't be as good as it is. They they would have done well with it, but that was a very strong starting point. Whereas in DC's universe, Man of Steel wasn't, unfortunately. But <clears throat> what was your other point you wanted uh, to bring up? I think up? you should address the daydreaming slash uh, the nightmare sequence. Yeah. And the other thing. Well, okay. So, it's still kind of clear to me. And, again, the more I thought about it and the more I read about it, the more it makes sense. But, again, it's also only there to set up other shit. Um, potentially. Like, everything I'm saying right now, the fact that, like, there's all these other things to come other than the Batman movie and the Justice League movie, it's all conjecture, it's all speculation, because they could just say, fuck it, and not do that. They could never explain why the Robin suit is there. It would, they would be foolish not to address it, but they very well could just skip skip it all together, and then the movie universe would never really explore those keystones of the Batman mythos and the DC universe as a whole, which would suck, but... You know, DC has made some pretty bad calls in the past. So, they're not DC, but, well, see, it's hard to know who to refer to when you're talking about the movies, because while it is a DC property, it's Warner Brothers are the people making it. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Um, But, yeah, the nightmare sequence, that, it was like, a post-apocalyptic metropolis in Gotham, um, and there's all these like soldiers that are working with Batman, and then there's all these soldiers working for Superman, and Superman's sort of like this. Well, he really steps into the god role, I think, like the dictator god. Um, and like Batman strolls up to this car that presumably Kryptonite is in. Um, He opens up the case, but there's just, like, a bomb in it or something, like green lights and shit. And it's a setup of some kind. And then Superman's goons capture Batman, and Batman's, like, killing, snapping necks and shooting people. And then there are these winged creatures in these, like, mech suits that come in and start taking, like, hostages or whatever. And then... Batman's captured, Superman uses his heat vision on the two guys Batman's captured with, pulls the mask off of Bruce Wayne, and says something about Lois. She was everything to me, or yeah. something like that. She was my world, or something like that. And then, presumably kills Batman, but then he wakes up, and that's the end of the sequence. It kind of happens very abruptly, and in a weird place in the movie... Literally, I mean, literally, Bruce Wayne is well, waking up. I had no idea that it was a nightmare. Yeah. I thought this was happening. Yeah. Because in the timeline of the movie, I think, like... There's nothing that makes it clear that this is a nightmare. Yeah. Well... Until the end. Yeah. And I think part of that is because, like, did you understand that it was an apocalyptic no. city? Not that it was towards the end, but like that—that that was Metropolis or Gotham. Did it just look like the Middle East? 
I honestly don't remember what what I was. It was a bunch of sand around. So that compared to the shot or the scene prior in the Middle East, one could easily be like, well, this is just another part of the world happening at this moment, not a dream or anything. But the the whole point of that scene in this movie seems to be like this is what would happen. This was what would drive Batman to ending Superman. Like, Superman, if things play out the way they're playing out, Superman will become all-powerful, start controlling the Earth, and Batman's one mission, like, he'll kill to get Kryptonite just so he can stop Superman. Like, that's what it kind of plays as when you watch the movie. And then he wakes up and... It plays more like this is his internal struggle of, like, what he needs to do next with Superman. But you were just confused by the whole thing. Then the Flash is there. That, that's the second part later. Oh, my God. I know. But that's in the context of this movie, I think, is how it plays. When you actually look at all the clues in that scene, there's, like, a huge symbol carved into the ground, the Omega symbol. And then those winged creatures are parademons, which mean nothing to anyone who's just going to see a Batman or Superman movie, but could mean everything to the comic book nerd that's sitting in the chair watching it. It opens up a storyline for Darkseid, that Thanos character I was telling you about. Mm -hmm. But also that this is almost an alternate reality of... Of the of Earth One, if you can call it that, and I, I mentioned this to you sometime before, but I'll I'll get into it in a second about the crisis on Infinite Earth. Does that ring a bell? I know it's a name of a comic book. Yes, one I, I've been trying to get, but I just haven't bought it. it on in, like different yeah timelines. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, I remember talking about this. So. It seems like this is, he's having, there was some theory I read online that makes sense with the scene that comes after, um, like later in the movie with the Flash, but like this is his, this is a timeline that exists on another Earth that's actually, he's, he's almost like having it flashback in his head, something that hasn't happened to him that's some, that might take place in the future, but all these universes are, are snapping in on themselves. So the original version of that character, like the original Bruce Wayne, is getting all the ripples of that time effect. Um, so it, it's a time travel thing that might not make sense to anyone who does That maybe necessarily didn't quite fit in the movie? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, it didn't fit in this movie other than to set up something else. Okay. Because later, Bruce Wayne is at his computer and falls asleep or something and has... Or is it that same? There were like two dream sequences that happened together. Well, doesn't Flash pop out of the computer? Yeah. But like... There were like... Which I had no idea it was the Flash. I was like... It was very hard to see. 
Maybe the, the sequence does come then, but I thought it came earlier when he was in bed with that girl um, at the lake house. There's like a dream sequence, and then we think he's awake, but then there's another dream sequence, and then he actually wakes up. Like when the flash appears, that's like a second dream sequence that we think is happening right now, but then he snaps out of it again. So I can't remember the dream sequence that comes before that, saying that too much. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the other thing is like we really need to see I'm that. doing this all from memory and it's very hard. Should have taken notes. I should have, yeah. Um, I didn't really expect this many things to happen in this movie. I should have taken notes and we should have written a Batman story based on the notes that I took because it probably would have been a whole different story. <laughs> but yeah, the Flash comes into play. Yeah, that's an interesting comment. We might have to do that. <laughs> um, the flashlight. Okay, Batman was walking down the street. <laughs> <laughs> he pops out of the computer and sends, like, talks to Bruce Wayne, like, um, she's the key, Lois is the key, and then says, like, am I too soon? I'm too soon. And then Bruce Wayne pops out of that dream sequence. Supposedly. <clears throat> that ties in to the nightmare sequence. Lois, something happens to Lois that causes Superman to fuck shit up. Whose character was just kind of annoyingly there in this The Flash? Movie. No, Lois. Lois. Yeah, she was, she was in Man of Steel, obviously, but she was kind of like just into this one. Um, in fact, she was pretty useless in this movie. Everything yeah, that happened she was, just was kind of her there. fault. The reason, like, Superman is in the Middle East and is set up by Lex Luthor is because she's there. Like, she was sent there to be saved by Superman for some reason that still escapes me. And then, towards the end of the movie, she throws away the kryptonite spear. And then, based on something I think Batman says, is like, yeah, kryptonite would work on this doomsday guy. And then she's like, oh, let me just go get that. And then... Goes to get it. I can see why she threw it away. Yeah. But did she have to do that? Well, if she's thinking, i got to get rid of this so nobody uses it against my boyfriend, like... Was that what she was thinking? That's what I thought. I feel... I mean, I feel like, yes, she was used, She was throwing it away because kryptonite is bad for Superman. But... She didn't need to do that. He was far enough away from it that, like... And Lex Luthor was nowhere around. I know, but what if Batman had changed his mind and come back for it? Changed his mind after they became best friends? I'm just saying. If he didn't kill him in that moment, he wasn't going to kill him after that Well, she doesn't know that. I knew that. But she doesn't know that. I just feel like she was... But when she goes to get it, she gets trapped under all that rubble. Granted, it's not her fault. If somebody pulled a gun on you and you convinced them not to shoot you, and then they walked away and they left the gun, okay, I'm gonna take the gun and I'm gonna hide it somewhere because I don't want them to change their mind to come. Uh, I, not even if change their mind. There's a gun there. I know it can hurt you. Okay. I'm gonna get rid of it. I'm not gonna be like I'll leave it there I for when it comes point. back. I'm, but with all the other shit that's happening, I think that would be the least thing on my mind. Well, she's not going to go fight anybody. She's just a little woman. But Wonder Woman. She's just a little woman like me. Okay, you well, make a good point. 
I just, I feel like it was kind of like she was throwing it away and then immediately realizes that that was a shitty idea. Like, immediately. Yeah. And she was like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. We'll give her some credit. She is, like, the damsel in distress character. That's what I'm saying. She has one moment of strength, and this is it, where she gets to make a decision to try and save... Yeah. Where she gets to save Superman, supposedly. But then it immediately is followed up by the fact yeah, that she's she Yeah, but she doesn't know that, now. I'm not saying she has to know that. I'm saying in terms of the writing of the story. If that's her one decision to, like, save Superman, which I can agree with, why is it followed up by her getting trapped by rubble again? And drowning almost. I know, she does kind of drown, and then Superman pulls her out. I just, it happened so quickly. I would have given her a stronger moment to be a Wonder Woman of the humans. I don't know. But there was another thing I was talking about. The Flash. That's how we got there. Um, yeah, the whole... I mean, Lois is, uh, like... Lois is to Superman as... I was going to say Martha is to Bruce Wayne, but that's not right. Because Martha to Superman is what Martha is to Bruce Wayne. <laughs> he, She's like... He would do anything for her. We don't have a, a parallel with Batman. But the whole reason he becomes too powerful and it was like, I'm going to reign over everyone on Earth because she's dead in this alternate reality is what causes Flash to come back and tell Bruce Wayne, like, you need to watch out, fear him, like, be careful. And Lois is the key and all of this stuff is just setting up something that's going to happen later. Whether or not Fear Him was an allusion to Superman or an allusion to Darkseid, nobody can really know for sure. He says Fear Him? He says, I, I'm pretty sure he says Fear Him. He says, you can, I'll, I'll try to pull up a link to it later and link it with this podcast, but it's like Fear Him... Um, Lois is the key, and then he's like, am I too soon? And then he's like, yeah, based on your confused face, I'm too soon. And, like, pops out. Not only was it weird, you couldn't really tell it was the Flash. I mean, I could because, I mean... It looks like a guy in a bike helmet to me. Well, the design of the Flash suit, he does kind of wear, like... That kind of goggle-style helmet thing. But it looked less like a costume and more like a helmet. Like, even in the Flash television show, it's kind of a, a balanced balance of both. Where it's part of the suit, but it's also like a helmet. Um, <clears throat> and the only other thing I'll say is that the introduction to every other member of the Justice League was also unnecessary. And very brief. Very brief. That I, so, so much so that I didn't catch it. Well, it was very brief and it was very long at the same time. Because there's like four files well, that are on the computer. It. I guess I meant brief because... You didn't... He looks at all the files and then... 
nothing is done about it. Like, it's just over. Well, like, nothing, yeah. Like, oh, that, that must mean blah, blah, blah. Like, there's no... There's no connection. Connect, he didn't connect the dots for me. Right. Well... Well, I and I thought that that was Wonder Woman in all the pictures. <laughs> you did, like, Well, in a couple in of the, them. In the first one, the, the Flash file, you're like, that was a man. And I was like... I was like, oh my I was, God, she used to be a man. It wasn't clicking to me what you were saying until later. You were like... I thought that was her, like, through each time period, like, changing yeah. her face or something like that. Yeah. Which I could see the way it was presented. I'm stupid. No, you, it just... You don't really know the characters. But each file had its own symbol. And each symbol was a reference to that character. That, I think they could have just... They could have just shown all the files with all the symbols, just opened the Wonder Woman file, and not opened any of the other ones. Because I think it would have worked better for the audience, being like the audience that would recognize the symbols. Seeing the Flash, Aquaman, Cyborg, instead of seeing like these five minute long clips of each character and then nothing. I Actually, I think that's the moment where the Flash pops in like, it's around that moment where he pops into, like, the dream happens. No. No? It's not? No. That happens much earlier. The files? Oh, the, when... The files happen after yeah, okay. he pops in. Yeah. Okay. Well, still. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't know. It, it was cool to see the, the fact that those characters are happening, and obviously they're going to happen in the Justice League movie. I just think it was almost a wasted introduction. But it, it definitely, weirdly enough, got me excited for the Aquaman movie. I don't remember what was happening in his clip. It was, it was a military clip of like, he was. It almost looked like, a, it was a sunken ship. I think. And he was, like, popping out of it. And he had those, like, trident. And the camera was, like, right there on him. And he was just staring at it. And then he, like, stabs it with the trident. And it shuts, like, the feed gets canceled. It was very quick. But it's just seeing Aquaman on screen was cool. Because Aquaman is a character everyone likes to shit on. And I think this is going to be the time where Aquaman rises from the sea. And, like, kicks ass. I don't know. I really dig underwater movies, so... Not that his whole movie will be underwater, but a lot of, like, his world is underwater. And he can control sea creatures. He can, like, ride a shark. That'd be sweet. <laughs> they they do reference that in Man of Steel, kind of. Um, not him riding a shark, but... Superman, like, falls into the ocean and is, like unconscious and then two whales like pop up like slowly to see if he's alright kind of and people think that that's like Aquaman sending them to like check on them mm. but uh I don't know what did, overall what did you think of the movie there was too much going on too much going on yeah and it was hard to follow I liked Batman Right. I liked Wonder Woman. Yeah. It was hard to follow until the last 40 minutes. Yeah. 
for me. No, I agree with that. I, I love Batman. But I was interested in it the whole time. Like it kept sh- me interested. There's 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 a good movie somewhere in there. Yeah. We just need to cut it to find it. Um, and I know we didn't really talk about it, and we've been going on for so long, and my voice is kind of shot. <clears throat> but, uh, like the whole Lex Luthor portrayal by Jesse Eisenberg, I liked it a lot. I did too, but I mean, granted, I didn't know any other Lex Luthor, so. I mean, a lot of people were expecting, um, were expecting the Gene Hackman or Kevin Spacey Lex Luthor, the bald businessman that's like tall and acts like a businessman. This guy was kind of, you know... He was a lot younger. He was the creator of Facebook. <laughs> exactly. That's that's what a lot of people said. They felt like they just threw the creator of Facebook in and turned up his insanity a little bit. But I think that's why he was chosen for the role, because he can play those egotistical characters. And Lex Luthor is an egotist, because he thinks he's better than Superman and deserves all, all the power. Um... I don't know why they shaved his head. I thought he was being executed. Me too. We thought thought that when they started shaving his head and he was being put in a cell, but, well, just, I guess, (laughs) take take some hair off, you know, just a quick buzz. Um, I did like the end when Batman shows up to his cell. That was sweet. Oh, yeah. Like, I forgot what he says, though. I don't remember if Batman says anything. I mean, I'm, I feel like he does, but what stuck out to me was, the, you know, how he was branding criminals before. Oh, yeah, and then he... And he doesn't. Yeah. And puts it in his cell. That was sweet. That's also another clue that Batman's not as ruthless as he used to be. Like, I don't think the, the Batman that everyone was expecting would brand criminals because... Although, they say it in the film, like, he brands, like, rapists and, like, child abusers and shit like that. And when they're branded in prison, it's, like, a death sentence. Like, because everyone knows that they've done some shit, and they're the lowest of the low. And I think Batman knew that. But this time, when he, like, granted, Alex Luthor isn't as bad... I guess, comparatively. He could have signed Lex Luthor's death warrant by putting that. Yeah, on him. But he misses. Well, he doesn't miss. He intentionally puts it into his cell wall to be like, not only is this a reminder to you, like, you better watch out, but, like, it's also a signal to the audience that, like, he's not going to be the Batman he used to be or that he was for a short time. Which is good. I also didn't touch on the Bruce Wayne part. I talked mostly about the Batman part. But we've gone on for so long. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're not very sorry. It's just, it's just everything about his portrayal of the character was good. Even when, you know, he's at the party and Bruce Wayne's at the party and he's with... He's talking to... One of Lex Luthor's workers, I don't even know what to call her, because I don't remember her name. Um, 
but I feel like she has a relevance. The Asian lady? Yeah, she has a relevance probably into the comics based on her name. It was like some some unique name that wasn't like a normal side character name. It was probably a reference. Anyway, he has like the, he pretends he's drunk and is like, I was just looking for the bathroom and like, Bruce Wayne, the playboy philanthropist, is supposed to be the clueless, like, playboy philanthropist. Like, that's an act. So that he can still operate and do the things he needs to do. And nobody suspects that guy to be Batman. But, I don't know. Everything about the Batman aspect of this movie, I will always defend as being the best Batman there is. Live action wise. I think the animated series is probably my favorite Batman, though. And speaking of animated movies, uh, DC and Warner Brothers, there was talks about doing The Killing Joke, the comic. Um, They released a preview online of what it's going to look like, like a a short 30-second trailer. And Mark Hamill is returning as the Joker, and Kevin Conroy as Batman. And it looks pretty sweet. So, yeah. Other than that, I think I'm all Batman and Superman out. I I was getting really sick of talking about it for the many (laughs) days. Because everyone was just shitting on it and other people were defending it. And I was trying to do both. Like, objectively, like being like, this is what works, this is what doesn't, this is why I like it, this is what could be better. And finally, we got to do a podcast on it so that it's on the record and I can stop talking about it because it's run me ragged. I didn't even get to talk about Deadpool as much. And, like, I feel like I've never talked about a movie as much as I've talked about Batman vs. Superman. But You've really let it affect you. It because it's... Not only is it Batman, but it's a stepping stone for DC. And it's one... That could have been better, but I don't. I don't know whose fault. I can't. I can't really blame Zack Snyder for it because there's elements he's included that I love. But I don't know. It's it's hard to hear like when people shit on Kevin Smith. Like obviously, I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan. It's hard to let those comments go without saying something. Most of the time, I do because a lot of people just are relentless online. But this was something that I feel like it, it was a it could have been a turning point for DC's movies. It could have been all these other things, and the majority there was a lot of people that love it, but the majority say that it's not good. And I I, I don't know for the people that do love it, I'm glad they love it. Like they love it uncontrollably, unconditionally, and that's where the movie's heart is. It's in the audience, which is something Kevin Smith brought up. And the more uh, reactions I saw from people online, like the more I read their paragraph-long reasons why they love it, like I can see why this movie is important. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not, you know, as a movie, it's not great. As a Batman vs. Superman tale... It might be all right, but it meant something to people. 
Yeah. And I think that's what matters. Which is why everyone loves Marvel movies. Because they're fun and they're family and they're they're entertaining. But like those are characters people have been waiting to see forever. That's why parents can take their kids to it because they grew up reading those comics and their kids are probably interested in those characters based on all the cartoons that are out there. And it's just, I don't know, it's something... Granted, this isn't a family-friendly movie, I'd say. No. But... Whew. Alright. <clears throat> Any last words for this? I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. I definitely... I'm definitely interested in this solo Batman movie. The Justice League two-part movie will be interesting. Um, the Wonder Woman movie will be good, I think. And, uh... The Aquaman. I'm not so much into the Flash. But if they do a Crisis on Infinite Earth storyline and they pull in their TV shows, which they've been keeping separate to kind of... Like, Marvel connects everything that they do. Television shows and movies together. DC has been kind of keeping their television shows separate. So if this Crisis on Infinite Earth storyline plays out... They could have the Flash from the television show show up with the Flash from the movie universe in, like, a scene or something so that they can, like, the crisis on infinite Earths in the comics was to shut down all these multiple Earths, the Golden Age, the Silver Age, all these different worlds where all these characters exist and just bring back the continuity of one Earth. They could do that, the, the movies so that they, the series on the television shows can end or keep doing their own thing, unrelated to the movies, but still acknowledging that they're part of the DC incredible universe, I guess I could call it. But if they do that, I want it on record that I called it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I guess that's it. I, I'm tired. <laughs> really drains me. Um, but yeah... <laughs> So thank you, Jesse, for putting up with all this rambling and nonsense about Batman vs. Superman. Not just on this podcast, but for the last... It's my pleasure. I had week, fun. Two weeks it's been going on. <laughs> Alright. So, thank you for listening to the Matthew Danko Podcast. Don't call it that. I'm your host, Matthew the Dr. Danko. And I'm Jesse. <laughs>